0: Hello everyone and this is episode ten of season two of Going Beyond Salvation and this is your host Jess Robinson. And today we're 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 slowly starting to wrap things up with Leviticus and we're starting to get closer with the book of Mark as well finishing up but uh, we're just gonna kinda we're not gonna finish Leviticus all the way. Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit of Leviticus in the next podca- podcast and finish that up and go into Numbers. Um, in chapter 26 of Leviticus, it's essentially, you know, God talking to Israel the Israelites, their reward for obedience and their punishment for disobedience. And you have to think about this in a way that... You know, it 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 reveals the anguish and the heartache of God as he lamented the fact that he might be compelled to punish the people he had redeemed. Because think about it, they still had free will. God never takes our free will away. So, you know, just as, you know, we're willing to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it's easy for us still to just turn and walk away. And so you know, and we think about it with these, you know, these choices, and what it is, it's, you know, they make the choice for disobedience, he's giving them choice to, between life and death, you know, in essence, when you think about when you're following the, the commands of the Lord, it means life, and we're going to see that said, you know, later on in, in, in in the old testament it's you know choose life or death you know but you know he you know moses says choose life and so you know in essence is you know when you see the blessings you know it means life you know he's giving them life he's giving them favor he's giving them these greatest blessings You know, and yes, you know, as believers today, we have those same kind of blessings with the Lord. It doesn't mean that we're not exempt, you know, from what happens in the fallen world. And that's the same way with, with the Israelites, you know, they were, they, you know, they, they were, you know, they could walk in obedience with the Lord. And yes, there would still probably be some of them that end up falling sick or they die or you know, things happen, because we live in a fallen world, but in essence, they were going to have life to the fullest with the Lord, you know, and that He was going to bless them, and, you know, with their harvest, and, and, and giving them peace, that they wouldn't have to worry about their land being ravaged by, you know, other countries, and, and, <clears throat> What he ends up happening is, you know, when he's talking about this punishment for disobedience, you know, it's, it's the fact that if, you know, in choice, their choice to be in utter ingratitude, they end up choosing to reject his love and were unwilling to have him as their God, he would have no other choice but to bring upon them sorrow and calamity you know and and you have to think about it that you have to think about who god is you know he doesn't set us up for failure you know and it's just like a, you know our own relationship with our parents it's you know if you're obeying us and and doing this you know you're under your parents blessings, but when you're not obeying them and totally disobeying them, then it's like, you're not, you know, they have no choice but to punish you because you're in their household, you know, and it's the same way when we choose to reject the Lord, we're opening, and I think it's more, we open up ourselves up to allow you know, the enemy to ravage us and, and tear us down and we end up, you know, allowing the world to destroy us. It's more of our own choice. It's not so much, you know, the Lord, he proclaims that that's what's going to happen, but it's more out of our own choice. And that's what I have to say over and over. It's out of our own choice. You know, God doesn't choose who's you know saved and not saved you know it's he gives you know the way for us to be saved but he doesn't choose it's our choice and so you know and his promises and warnings when you think about it you have to look at God's personality they were spoken from the depths of divine love and with sincere desire that such discipline and judgment would never be necessary for his chosen people you know he laid it out but his hopes were you know that that they would choose to go on the route of of having a relationship with him and then when you think and see in verse 17 of chapter 26 he's like i'm going to set my face against you When you think about the greatest tragedy is sin, as we've said, sin separates sin, rebellion, and disobedience to God. It separates us from God and it causes him to set his face against us. And, you know, that means withdrawing his presence and his care, his grace, and his strength from us. And, you know, I remember watching, I was listening to a person's You know, listening to someone's testimony online, and they had said um, they were in—they were always like afraid of losing, you know, God's presence in their lives. They were walking in the Christian faith, but they all—they lived a double life. They struggled with pornography. They were struggling with that, and they would use business trips to go and and binge on pornography and it got to the point that they actually met and this person was married and you know and he wasn't just he wasn't confessing everything that he had done in his life he was holding that in and it led to the point that this person ended up like ended up having relations with an actual prostitute on one of the business trips and while at that hotel that weekend the lord really spoke to them and they had this feeling where the lord took their presence away from them and they said there was that despair that sorrow so that whole time even while they were struggling the lord's presence was still with them but they continue to walk in their sin and they said you know you would will finally end up alone if you could keep going down this route and it caused them to have this change in their lives and so when you think about it when we continue to sin and sin and sin the lord will turn their face upon us and and turn our face against us and and we will utterly feel alone you know sometimes we feel like we're alone but that's the enemy's lies you know but when we continue to live in sin and choose to disobey him then at some point yes he is going to turn his face upon or face against you and and you will utterly feel alone you know and and in its place we're exposed to his direct judgment and to all the problems and dangers of life without his protection and guidance and the price of rejecting god and his righteous standards is enormous you know not just the fact that that when you die you go to hell but when you're it it you're living subject to his judgment and i feel like that's just something that it's like, why would you want to live in that way? When you think about it, we're in his will, when we're in his will, in his presence and in his care, they're the greatest blessings of our lives. And, you know, you know, choosing to live life, you know, choosing life. And so that's in essence, chapter 26 and then we go into 27, and it's talking about vows, and these are things that people would vow or promise to the Lord, and they included persons, animals, houses, and land, um, and they had to set guidelines to it, you know, these vows, and you know, how they were, they had to have a price put on them, just in the case that. The one who made the promise wanted to buy it back. And so that was what essentially those vows were. And so that's in essence most of chapter 27. We'll actually reserve the last of 27 because it talks about tithing. And we'll kind of talk about tithing a little bit in the next podcast. So... So that is, in essence, Leviticus. So we're going to take a quick break and then come back and we're going to talk about the book of Mark. So we are back and we're talking about our continuing on in Mark chapter six. And we're talking about Jesus feeds the five thousand and we see him mark his There's John the Baptist beheaded, and then we jump back to Jesus and the apostles, and the apostles have just come back after being sent out, and they're telling Jesus what had been done and taught. Now, in the book of Matthew, it says, you know, when Jesus heard that John the Baptist was, was beheaded, he withdrew, and that was when the whole, um, people start, the the 5,000 come. And so I think in essence, yes, he, uh, he, he did hear about John the Baptist being beheaded and, and withdrawing. And I think at that time, that's probably when the apostles came back, told him of what was happening. Maybe he heard the news at that point and withdrew. But in essence, he does take his apostles, you know, his disciples with him so that they can get some rest because they've been doing the work. And that's one thing that we need to know as believers when we're doing the work of, of God is that we do need to take some time to to rest. You know, if we're continually going and going and going for the lord all the time and not taking a break we can actually burn out really quick and so we see he really starts teaching his disciples that to withdraw and rest however there was people that saw them and they they ran on foot and to to get there and when jesus you know he sees this crowd it it both Matthew and Mark say he has compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And when you think about compassion, it's an emotion that moves people to the very depths of their being. Compassion is essential in you know, ministering to those in need. You cannot pray with somebody. You cannot reach to somebody if you don't have compassion. You know, and I there was a missionary that we had in our church and it really drew me to the story that they had about, you know, and and they were in Africa and they were dealing with Muslims and um what ended up happening the story that stuck out he had several of them uh, the one that stuck out to me was you know he there was he was trying to reach this village and actually there was two he was trying to reach to this village and the village leader was not having it and he actually was heading on the highway to meet with this village leader And what ended up happening was this little girl had been ran over on the highway. She was dead. And this missionary, because he had his vehicle, convinced the father of the the little girl. And if I remember right, the village leader to go with him, they were going to go, he was going to take him to the hospital, but this girl was dead and you know, there. He's sitting there, and the Lord moved him with such compassion that it changed him because he was he was struggling with that with compassion, and the, he prayed, had been praying, and the Lord moved him with compassion, and he actually ended up asking if he could pray for the girl while he was driving, while he was praying and he didn't know what to pray. And so he started praying in tons and all of a sudden the girl, she hadn't been breathing. She started breathing. And by the time they got to the hospital, she had somewhat of of a recovery still that she had to have, but it was enough to convince the leader of this, this village that to let, let him in. And the other part of his story, as well as he was talking about having compassion, you know, you can't reach out to the lost if you don't have compassion because he was telling this story about these, you know, he was doing prison ministry there and he was working with men that had a death sentence and they, he said, and you know, it was really bad it was for what they were sentenced for was really bad uh they had killed some some people to sell their body parts on the black market and he was he said you could tell and you you know you can tell with murder you know somebody who's killed somebody more than once he said that he could see from their eyes that there was just nothing there no emotion nothing and he was reaching out to them and it just didn't seem to be connecting and these men were 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 set to die they they were sentenced to die and he had one more time to reach out to them and he ended up having a dream and it was a vision from God, and he remembers explicitly, like, I'm not going to go into as much detail, but he, he felt the screams of, of a kid that they were cutting up a little girl, and I mean, he was moved with such compassion, he's like, I, you know, he was moved with such compassion, and hurt over the, the vision and the Lord's like, you know, I, he, he pointed that he had died for them as well. And it was such a compassion. And at first he was angry, but then he was moved with such compassion that when he went there, he he went into detail what Jesus did on the cross he taught and went into detail about the flogging and what they went through what he went through that he's like it was very very detailed and there was such passion in it he said he you know and compassion in and what he was telling them about Jesus and, and the gospel that, you know, Jesus died and rose from the grave, even for you. And when he walked away, he was walking out and they were letting them out in the yard, the prisoners. And one of them called him and he said, there's tears rolling down his eyes. And he says, I believe this, this guy's going to be in heaven. So it's like, when you think about it, ministry wise, reaching out to people, praying out to people, you know we have to move with compassion and and those in needs you know the greatest answers to prayers, including miracles and hearing, healings as we see, are they occur when the person praying is moved to great compassion and pity towards the needs of the pain or pain of the sufferer, you know, and we think about it, Christ could have just said, "You know what." you know, John the Baptist is dead, and he's related to John the Baptist, we'll talk more about that when we get to Luke, but he's related to John the Baptist, and he could have said, you know, sorry guys, I, you know, I'm going to mourn for seven days, which was the tradition, you know, in that time, I'm going to mourn for seven days, catch me later, you know, but he didn't. He chose to minister to him and this miracle happens. And I think, you know, a lot of times the Lord moves in in ways like when, you know, we are always like expecting him to move when we want him to move. But sometimes he'll move in times that we're like, sorry, Lord, we can't, you know, we're hurt or You know, we're, we're trying to figure out our lives. You know, we're trying to figure out how to pay our bills. And the Lord is like, no, you know, we're going to, I'm going to have you move in this way. You're going to pray for this person. And it's, you know, sometimes when it's not, you know, the Lord will move when he wants to move. And so I think in a lot of ways, you know, and we can relate to this as at this time of the recording, there's the coronavirus going around and I think as a church, you know, we feel like, oh my gosh, this isn't in- so inconvenient. We have to hole up in our house. You know, you just don't want to minister to people, but it's like, you know, this is the time for the church to rise and shine. You know, do I say, oh, you know, we need to have church services. No, the church, you know, that's just a building. And and today, you know, we can have worship services, and you know, my prayer has been that people who are living in fear and despair, that, you know, on, on these Sundays when people are streaming, when these different churches are streaming their services online, that they will just happen to come across it in some way, some form of fashion, it'll show up on their Facebook for no apparent reason, and they'll come upon it, and... And go. I need to be there when it opens back up, and they'll keep. It'll grab a hold of them. You know that's part of my prayer. But as a church rising up, I think we have to think about the needs of the people. There are so many people that are affected by this coronavirus. Is you know it's affecting restaurants. You know I'm in Wyoming, and they put an order out that you know restaurants that have like dine-in areas and coffee shops. bars different like buffets the employee cafeterias they all have to be shut down you know daycares schools they're all shut down there's these people without jobs their for you know their source of income is not coming in and as we the church this is an opportune moment to rise up and look at the needs of the people and say you know what, I'm going to do this for this person. And, you know, and then, yeah, it's kind of scary because, yeah, you know, I work in the newspaper business. It's the printed newspaper business. And it's scary because, yes, we got a lot of news, but in a small rural community, when restaurants and schools and everything start shutting down and they have no revenue coming in, they're not going to be advertising. When you have events canceling, that's not advertisement, you know, so it's like things start going down. Yes, we have the news, but the revenue is going down. And so it's a little scary, but like I told the Lord, I said, I don't care. I still want to be a blessing to somebody else, you know, because I mean, we're not hurting because like my husband works for a bank and they still have banks open. You know the lobbies are closed, but they have the drive-throughs open to to make sure people still can get into their finances. And until you know the president says no, not even banks can be open. They're going to still be open. And so I think as a church, you know, we can rise up, especially you know, be praying in this time, you know, for compassion. To reach out to somebody who may be struggling. And the Lord, it it may be simple. It may be, you know, just pray with this person. It may be saying, oh, just give them $5 so they can go buy a gallon of milk or something. Or if you have extra milk, saying, I can give a gallon to somebody who doesn't. Or even toilet paper, you know. And I've seen such compassion on the internet. With the toilet paper situation, there have been people saying, you know what? I actually have an extra pack and I know I'm going to be fine, you know, and they're giving away toilet paper and it's, which it's, it's funny because it's toilet paper, but it's still compassion. And the Lord looks upon that with favor because there are people that don't have anything right now. You know, they were just living life normally. And choosing not to live in fear, and then this whole thing happened, and they're like, wait a minute, now I don't have anything. So, you have to think about that. You know, as a believer, and and allowing compassion to take over, and we see, because of the compassion, there's this miracle that happens. What started as little, you know, multiplies. And we've talked about it a little bit in the book of Matthew, about having little, and letting it multiply, and I think, you know, I'm going to let you guys go back to that, and look to that, then we have the Jesus walking on the water story, and that's another miracle that happens, there's this huge miracle that happens, his disciples go out on the water, there's a storm, and he walks out on the water, and they freak out, thinking they're going to die, but they They weren't you know, and so it's this really cruel story that you know he calms, and then that's the thing about it. we have to think about it, and that's something that I've been saying over and over with what's going on with the coronavirus and especially in these times is we even though it could be chaotic, just like the storm in in this story and and where they're struggling it may seem like chaotic around us but you know it may seem chaotic and things may seem like not in our control or we're struggling but the you know what we're going through doesn't surprise god god is sovereign he's in control of everything and so we can have peace knowing he's in control, he's in control of this whole situation, and so we can have peace in that, and, you know, they end up getting crossed over, and these people, as soon as they recognize Jesus, they're bringing their sick, and so it's just, it's one thing after another, you know, and, and I think, you know, with this whole thing with the coronavirus, it's like, yes, it's, There's, you know, people honestly that are sick, there are people that are dying, but I honestly, honestly believe that there's something on the other side. And I think, you know, we've, there's talks about revival and I think, you know, what the enemy meant to, to harm a lot of people, I think it's going to bring a huge revival people, you know, people are going to be coming to Jesus left and right. And so I think, you know, we have to think, what does God have on the other side of this? What is God doing in this time that that is so precedent that's going to happen? So I think we need to be looking to what God's going to be doing and, and Him moving. Instead of focusing on the despair and all that, we need to focus on, you know, the job God has for us and, and what He's going to do. And so... That's pretty much it for the book of Mark today. And I just want to end in a prayer. Um, For the next podcast, we're going to finish Leviticus, which is chapter 27, verse 22. And then we're going to go into Numbers and start with chapter 1 and go through verse 41. And then uh, we... I have Psalm 33 verses 13 through 22, Proverbs 5:21 through 23, and then Mark chapter 7 verse 5 through 30. We'll talk about you know chapter seven. Um, I know the last reading we went into verse four, but I just want to save talking about seven until we can kind of put it all together. So I'm going to end in a prayer, and I just want to say thank you Lord Jesus for all that you're doing Lord and that you are sovereign you are in control and that Lord you're still the same God as as you were in the Bible Lord God as we see in the Bible and that Lord you still perform miracles you still have compassion and love for your people that the promises are still same today Lord God and Lord, I just pray, God, that you would just lift fear off of people, Lord, who are struggling when things seem to be out of control. Lord, just touch them, Lord. For people who feel alone, Lord, I pray that you would just touch them, O Lord Jesus, and take the lies of the enemy out of their lives, that they would feel your presence and help them to walk in in accordance with your life, O Lord, with with your will and your way, Lord, and I just pray, Lord, that we would just walk in accordance, separate and holy for you, Lord, and that the blessings of of the life that we have in you, Lord, that you would just, like, it would just glow from us, Lord, the glory of you would just glow around us, Lord, and that it would just draw people to us, Lord, and I just pray, God, that for guidance and direction, Lord, in this time, Lord, help us as your church to rise up and be who you call us to be, Lord God, to be light and salt to the earth, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would just be with us, go with us, before us, and all around us, Lord. We just give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Have a great day, you guys.